Good morning. Thank you all for joining us this morning. If you're online worshiping with us, thank you for tuning in. And uh, it's a kind of a drizzly, rainy morning here in Central Florida, where we measure precipitation in inches of rain and not inches of snow, so that's good. Other parts of the country are not so lucky this morning, so they're, they've had to postpone worship, unfortunately, this morning because they can't get to the church building, but not our case. Uh, let us start this morning as we sing 528. We'll sing the first and the fourth verse. I know with me please our father in heaven we come here this morning to worship you to sing songs and praise to show our love for you and our love for Jesus your son who died for us when we were totally lost and had no way of saving ourselves Jesus came to earth lived a perfect life, and then died a horrible death on the cross. But the blood he shed on that cross is what heals us. It heals our sins continually. We just have to look to Jesus and try to obey his teachings, Father. Father, we've, we've got so many who are sick. I'm not going to try to name them this morning, but we do have some successes. Gary's getting better. We hope that Brian is getting better. Anyway, we just need to continue with the healing path that everyone has. I ask you to especially be with Mitzi, all she's gone through with her cancer. Give her encouragement. Father, I ask you to bless the first responders. We need them. We need them desperately. Also bless our medical people who take care of us, heal us when we're sick. 
just be with them. They need your hand. They need your strength. They need your patience. And Father, please be with our leaders in Washington. Get them to manage the needs of this country, the real needs of the country, and quit wasting time like they have for so long. Father, as we leave here today and go out into your world that you gave us, let us show everyone we come in contact with the joy of being a child of yours. And Father, we just thank you so much for Jesus. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Before we partake of the Lord's Supper, we'll sing 837. We'll sing the first and the fourth verse. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord, no fifth chapter beginning at verse 6. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to surround this table this morning, to be reminded just how much you love us. And in spite of the fact that we were your enemies, 
that we were sinful and rebellious towards you, but you sent your son to die for us anyway. We thank you, Father, for that. We thank you, Father, for the hope that we have because of him, for the forgiveness we have that he is advocating for us. Father, be with us as we take of this bread which represents his body broken for us. Help us to do so in a manner pleasing to you. We ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. bow with me again. Heavenly Father, we continue in prayer, thanking you that Jesus willingly went to that cross, knowing that it would be tremendous pain and anguish, but he willingly took it on for us. He willingly shed his blood so that it could wash away our sins. Father, be with us as we take this emblem of that blood. Help us to do so in a way pleasing to you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. And before the lesson is brought to us, let us stand as we sing 509. Sing the first and the third verse. Yeah. 
Good morning. It is good to see everybody. I think I've got everything up here to junk up the pulpit permanently. When I came across this letter, I was, it said it was done by James W. Moore. I don't know that that's our James W. Moore, but it's from his book, When All Else Fails. George was a peacemaker with a big heart and a wonderful sense of humor. Everyone loved George at church, and he was respected at the hospital where he worked. The reason everybody loved him was because he was the kind of man that was respectful to everyone he met. George's children remembered the days when George was in the hospital the hospital administrator paid him a visit. They spoke as though they were friends. A few minutes later, one of the janitors came to visit George, and they too had a great visit. When the janitor left, one of George's children said to him, Dad, do you realize you treated the president of the hospital and that janitor in exactly the same way. George smiled and chuckled and said, let me ask you something. If the administrator left for two weeks and the janitor left for two weeks, which one do you think would be missed the most? And then George called his children around the bed and said, let me show you something. I carry this in my pocket all the time, even when I mow the lawn. And he pulled out a pocket-sized cross with the golden rule on it. And on the cross were written these words, God loves you. And you flipped it over and it said, do unto others as you would have them do to you. He looked up and says, the cross reminds me of how deeply God loves me. And the marble reminds me how much God loves them. For a few, uh, seems like a month, we've been talking about this verse that comes out of 1 John chapter 5. 
It's, it's a simple verse. It just comes across, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. It's not an if. It's not maybe. He says you can know for sure. And the way John has gone about writing his epistle is a way to get you to the point where you may know who Jesus is and why Jesus came. And depending on that Jesus coming and dying, you can know you have eternal life. In chapter 1, the first four verses, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life, that life appeared and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim it to you, the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you may have, so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. We write this to you to make our joy. That's an corporate joy. Not only is John saying, I have joy, he says, I want everybody to know who Jesus is because it's going to bring joy to you. He wants them to realize that Jesus is real, that he is the Son of God. And because he is real and he is the Son of God, he can do things that no one else can do. Then last time we were together, we talked about the message that God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. We can claim to have fellowship with him, yet if we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Jesus came, and because he came and he lived among us, we can just be clean by his life over and over and over again. It's kind of difficult for a lot of people to understand why John would write stuff like that. The first problem that we have with it is our concept of God. There's what I call the internalist. The internalist makes up what they think God ought to do as they go. It's, it's their idea of what God should do. It's their idea of what God should be. C.S. Lewis, who is, to me, the best Christian writer we've ever had, was an atheist until he was in his 20s. He was an atheist because... His mother died when he was young. And he thought that God would never let the mother of a young child die. So God couldn't exist because he had this concept of God. 
What I'm running into now with people is, if there's a God, how come there's a COVID-19? In their mind, God wouldn't let anything affect us like COVID-19, so there must not be a God. The second one that we have is what I call the externalist. The externalist has this list, and this list of things that you cannot do. Uh, back when I was a teenager in, in Pottstown, uh, one of the things that you could not do is go to the beach because there were girls on the beach and they didn't have a boys day on the beach and a girls day on the beach they just had a beach and so they made that taboo now that we're in Florida it's no longer taboo I found down here y'all let that happen but they have a whole list but there's a problem they have different lists and the different lists out there say these are the different things that you can and can't do, which leaves everybody a little confused. As soon as you get your list down, somebody comes along and, and gives you another thing to put on your list. I've told you this before. It's, it's an old story, but some of you haven't heard it. Back when I started preaching, I got a call from a young lady, one of the teenagers that I'd grown close to, and she says, Mike, can I make out with my boyfriend? And I said, well, Tammy, why would you ask me a question like that? She said, it's not on the list. I said, what do you mean it's not on the list? She said, the preacher before you gave us a list. And it's not on the list. <laughs> That's the trouble with the externalist. They've got this set of rules that you must keep, but the problem is you can't keep them. That's what Romans tells you. You can't keep them. That's what the old law was about. You can't keep them. They had trouble with ten. We have longer lists than that. Chapter 2 is vital because there's a concept in chapter 2 that if we understand it, we'll understand how we can know that we have salvation. My dear children, I write to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not ours, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's the NIV. But if you go into the ESV, which is probably the most literal and accurate version out there, it says something different than we have something that speaks. He says, we have an advocate. 
Now, that word advocate is only found here in the Bible. I've checked it. Sue has checked it. It's only here. So understanding exactly what he means here is, is tough to explain, but Romans does a real good job of trying to explain it over in chapter 6. So what it really means is he does everything for us. When we become a Christian, he starts on a different plain than we do because God takes the sacrifice of Jesus and when he looks at Jesus he realizes we are all in Jesus so all he sees is Jesus now, Romans 6 does that. So let, let's turn there. If you don't want to turn there, you can simply look up here and you'll have the same thing. But in Romans chapter 6, again, this is the English standard. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Now, Let's see if we can make this make it as easy. I've tried this three different ways, and I think this is the easiest. When Jesus was baptized, it was not for his sins, for ours. So when we are baptized, Jesus takes our place. He dies a death he didn't deserve. He died a death that we deserved. And then he's raised from the dead. How was he raised from the dead? Well, the price of sin has been paid by his death. So when he is raised from the dead to live that new spiritual life, we are raised to live that new spiritual life. You see, it's, it's that baptism into Christ that makes all the difference because he unites us. That's where we get the benefits of his death and the benefits of his resurrection. For one who has died is set free from sin, and now we have died, see it, with Christ. Christ. 
we believe that we also will live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do you see the picture? If we are in Christ and God looks at us, he sees Christ. If we are in Christ, when God wants to ask us, why'd you do that and all that, he sees Jesus. Question answered. We didn't have Jesus on our side. But now, we do. We were dead to God. Jesus comes. He dies the sin to pay for our sins. We are baptized into him. He is raised, and we are raised with him. And God sees Jesus in all of his people. So the question isn't how good or bad you've been. The question is, are you in Christ? Watch how John develops it. By this, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Just a little bit on the, the commandment thing here. Back when Sue and I first got married, I don't know, can you remember back that far, babe? She wore a T-shirt that pointed this way that says, I love him. And I wore a T-shirt that pointed this way that said, I love her. You know, we don't do that anymore. It's not that we don't love each other. Don't misunderstand me. But now we've been married 49 years. I can tell you so much more about what she wants and what she doesn't want, what she likes and what she doesn't like, where she wants to go to eat and where she doesn't want to go to eat. Why? Because I've learned this is who she is. And when we're in Christ, we learn who he is and we learn who God is. And when we do that, we understand it's not, you might not want to do this, but you got to. You don't. But when you start loving God, you want to. Anyone who does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth's not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of God is perfected by this, that we may know we are in him. And whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way he walked. They're together now. They might not have the shirts to do this, but when you walk with Christ long enough, you learn who he is. You learn what he wants of us. And we follow him. 
This is the Amplified. I think it just breaks it apart better. And this is how we may discern daily by experience that we are coming to know him, to perceive, to recognize, to understand and become better acquainted with him if we keep or bear in mind, observe, practice his teachings, his precepts and commands. Whoever says, I know him, I perceive him, recognize, understand, I'm acquainted with him, and fails to keep his commands or teachings, is a liar. And the truth of the gospel isn't in him. But he who keeps, treasures his word, who bears in mind his precepts and observes his messages and it's entirely truly in him, he has the love of God. Of and for God has been perfected, completed, reached its maturity. And by this we may perceive, we may know, we may recognize and be sure that we are in him. Whoever says he is in him ought to as a person of that walk and conduct himself in the same way which he walked and conducted himself. The more you come to know him, the more you love him, and the more you love him, the more you share your life and become what he is and what he wants. That's so important. Where are you at? Have you ever taken the time to do as they did in Acts 2 to repent of your sins, which says, I'm going to stop walking my own way and, and doing my own things, and I want to be baptized into Christ? When God looks at me, I want him to see Jesus. And then you can be baptized for the remission of your sins. Baptism is just a, an immersion in water. We can do that this morning. If there's a way that I can help you get this assurance that John's talking about, or if somebody else here can help you, won't you let us help? Why together we stand and why we sing. I worship Oh, you are
morning. Thanks for joining us here on the Orange Carpet or on your orange carpet, your own orange carpet at home. I'll never get that right. It's still funny to me, but anyways, um, thanks for joining us. Um, on, the on, on the online streams, I, I know there are people watching, and uh, sometimes people push like or something and they comment, so I, you know, we, that's our way of knowing some people are kind of tuned in. And uh, Brian and Georgia are both tuned in this morning or both checked in on us, so they're thinking of us and we're thinking of them. So that's uh, good news to spread. Also on the on the inc on the upcoming whatever they are the slides at the beginning that slide through uh, we added a virtual foyer we've done that in the past we did a couple pictures this week um, Tommy and Glenda are on there and Bertha and William uh, neither of which are getting out really so we had pictures that they sent in and we just added them to it if you're uh, interested in if you're not getting out or you just people want to see the backside of your head. Um, go ahead and send us a picture and we'll add it to the slides. We'll kind of have the virtual foyer. Uh, it's always good to see faces and stuff. So, um, as Bertha said, she sees my face and that's, uh, I guess that's what she sees. So anyways, a um, couple announcements. Paige Kloss, um, Paige has had the Rona. She's 10 days, uh, 10, 10 days since testing positive, but she's still symptomatic. Um, she's, she's, uh, I'd like you to pray for her, the symptoms of that, that they go away and more manageable. Um, also, I got messages, a couple messages about Kathy Metz's uh, obituary. It's in the paper today. It's also on the Florida Day website. I printed it out. It's got a picture of her and a little, little story about her, it, some things about Kathy that I did not know. So if you're interested, it's here. If you want to come up here and look at it after a while. They will have a memorial for Kathy at a later date. Um, unfortunately, that's kind of how things roll right now. Um, Last week, somebody asked about closed captions. It's not something that we can really do, and it kind of interferes with our slides and everything anyways. However, if you're interested in that, the Facebook Live thing has closed captions. They are absolutely terrible, but it does have closed captions. I think they typically get about one word out of three right. But if you're interested in that, it's on Facebook Live, but not on YouTube, I don't think. Um, that's about it. Wednesday night, we will have Bible class here. Uh, Mike's going to lead class again. It'll be here on Wednesday night. It'll be in person or it'll be on live on Facebook Live or YouTube. So tune in, join in. The chat room's open so you can answer questions and participate. And we usually read those comments with the microphone and stuff too, so you can participate. Or time shift it, do it at your own leisure. Um, that's how things roll. That's about it. Stay dry today, stay safe, and stay faithful. stand as we sing our final song. We'll sing the first verse and then we'll be dismissed in prayer. I'd like to stay here longer than Yeah.
If there's one thing the pandemic has taught us, it's that we don't have to be in the same place together to worship together. There are people worshiping with us right now, right this minute. As I was sitting in my chair seat a little while ago, it dawned on me that the way God created earth, it's 9 a.m. 24 times today. It is 11.30 a.m. 24 times today, somewhere in the world. And so there are people, our brothers and sisters throughout the world who are worshiping for the entire 24-hour period on the Lord's Day. Every Lord's Day, for the entire 24 hours, the Lord is being worshiped. That's just so amazing. So throughout your day today, if you stop for just a moment, you can say, I be, can be worshiping with someone somewhere right now because we're all assembled together with him all the time. Pray with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being your children, for the privilege of being able to recognize that the world is full of your children and that we worship you day and night. Father, help us to always remember to love one another the way you love us and to grow closer together throughout all of these things that we face every day. We thank you for your love and we thank you for this opportunity to be here. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> 